Hello and welcome to ASI, Attitudes of Sexual Integrity. My name is Russ Shaw. I am your host. This episode is titled, What Do You Mean by the Full Armor of God, and Why Should I Care? Uh, I got some more email on the fact that I use, uh, I use the word evangelical in a negative tone, and I, and I wanted to address that um, again, and maybe come at you from a different standpoint to help you understand um, a good... Uh, friend of mine, frequent emailer to the show um, in the UK said, you know, Russ, maybe you have some uh, some bitterness in there. Maybe you have something you haven't cleaned out of your heart about evangelicals and, and maybe that's why you, why you do it. And it's really not. Um, the reason I use the word, and I, and I do in a negative tone a lot of times, um, is because it's been redefined, right? I mean, evangelical Christian fundamentalist has been redefined um, I would argue with you to mean today whether you're in the United States or you're in the UK or you're in Australia um, that word has come to define uh, Pharisee okay, by most people in the culture's standard and that, that by the way is the people that uh, we're trying to reach if you're you know, you're a Christian. Um, if you're not a Christian, you're welcome to listen. I love the fact that you're here. Thank God you're here. Welcome. I'm not going to shove the Jesus pill down your throat. You are, uh, you are just as welcome to be here as, as anyone. So I wanted to make that perfectly clear. I'm going to talk to the Christians for a second. Uh, give me a minute here. Um, you have to be honest, okay, about the word evangelical. Because really, if you ask your friends and neighbors, um, love, grace, mercy, patience, um, compassion, concern, affection, empathy, are these words that you would attach to uh, evangelical Christian fundamentalist? Honestly. Okay, if you would, uh, you know, you're probably somewhere in the Bible Belt, and you you live in a town called uh, the Apostle Paul or something like that, you know, I, I don't know what to tell you, but for most of us, especially here in the Seattle area, and I believe from what I've really looked at with uh, the church, here in the Seattle area, we're one of the, we are the most unchurched city in the United States, and I think that there's a lot of... Um, there's a lot of similarities between the church here and the church in the UK, the decline of the church here and the church in the UK. Because if you go to a, a city like the city I live in, Everett, Washington, um, it's just north of Seattle. If you drive through my city, there's a lot of churches. If you drive through the city of Seattle, you're going to see a lot of churches. Every couple of blocks, there's a church, okay? There's just nobody in them. 
you know, there there's a few people in them. Um, in my city, I kind of went through and uh, trying to figure out the church in my city, and most of the churches in the city of Everett, uh, you see people, and this is no, you know, I'm not trying to burn anybody for age, but in my city, there's nobody really under 50 who is mass attending a church, except for a few um, mega churches that are in the city, and I saw them as very uh, heavily into the Christian culture, the Christian subculture. Um, don't be a part of that culture, be a part of this one, which is still the world, okay? That's still worldliness, okay? Uh, just to let you know. People say, you know, I play Nirvana on the show, and people say, well, that's worldly, okay? I'm, I'm trying to um, communicate a heart issue to you, so I will use whatever means necessary, okay? God made Kurt Cobain, whether you like it or not. He was made, he was made to be an image bearer of God. So, I'm going to use some of his music when it illustrates a point that uh, is important. That point that I wanted to illustrate, because, and I'm glad that, that you sent the email too, by the way, that is an awesome segue into what I want to talk about. Because the full armor of God, I heard that preached when I was a kid, right? I heard it preached when I was a young adult, I heard it preached in my 20s, um, in my 30s. I heard it, right? And I, and I, you know, I, I really wanted that to work for me. Okay, sounded great. Put on the full armor of God, and and we're gonna, you know, we'll go get them, and, and everything will be fine. And you know, I won't be a sex addict anymore. I won't be a, a control freak. I won't be angry if I just put on the full armor of God. Everything will be okay. Um, it's understanding what the full armor of God means, because. If we don't really unpack what the gospel is and how it impacts our heart, how it impacts our decision-making, what we worship, realizing that we wake up every day and we put our hope in something, and that hope is what we worship, okay? Whether you believe in God or not, you worship something. You have your eyes focused on something. Your heart... Not the thing beating in your chest, but the part of you that is motivated, your soul. It's going in a direction. Okay, it goes in different directions during the day. Um, it's going in a life direction. You're chasing something. And it's either the creation or, you know, it's the creator. Honestly, that that is the heart level deep thing that I want you to understand. So uh, when I unpack this uh, concept of the full armor of God, it's going to take me a couple of shows to even get to Ephesians 6. So don't be in a hurry with me. Um, today I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about why. Why and what does it mean to put on the armor of God? Well, what is it? What are you even talking about? What do you mean by that? I never got to that level. I just thought that it was okay to believe that. Oh, I believe this. And I would go out and, and I remember um, it becoming one of those kind of religious or uh, psychological things where hip, hip, rah, rah, yeah, the armor of God, this is awesome. And I'd go out there and I'm in the best parade of righteousness and, the, you know, the, I got truth on, man, and I'm a, I got my shoes and, and I'm going to go. And I'd go for three weeks, you know, right? About three weeks. And the monster would come again, and shame would creep in, and 
you know, well, you stopped putting on the armor of God, Russ. You know, I didn't know what it meant. I, I didn't understand. It, it just seemed like another kind of pep talk. Okay, so I, I don't want this to be a pep talk. I, I don't want you to look at it as a, a psychological thing or just a purely religious uh, ritual. I, I want you to, to have some impact on your heart. I want the armor of God to be uh, the words that I say to put heart in you, as uh, the Message Bible would say about John the Baptist. Something that you, you need to get honest about, too, when it comes to evangelical culture, um, the church you attend, or, or what you believe is your faith. talked about some of that in the last show. Why do you believe what you believe, and do you really have weight on that? Um, I believe that the, the church, especially here in the United States, I'm going to speak for the United States here, um, in the last hundred years, has really done a poor job at contextualizing the gospel for what it means in everyday life, right? Like I go to church and I put my church hat on on Sunday and then I take my church hat off and I put on my work hat and then I got my family hat and I got my hat that I wear with my buddies and and that's just about as far as it goes. You know, I got my Jesus t-shirt on around the Christians, that that kind of thing, right? Like we we have a faith like that. Like like there a lot of sermons are taught like that. Or they're taught that the Bible is a self-help book um, that can help you get your life better. You know, I mean, and Jesus is like Tony Robbins or something, and he's going to come in and straighten you out, <laughs> kind of a thing. I, and I, I, I believe that a lot of teachers, pastors, priests, um, clergy have failed at really, you know, putting into context what the gospel means in 2008 as opposed to what it was written you know because that's what I used to write off you know when I when I got to that shame moment when I got to forsaken you know because it, it can really wound you when you feel like you believe something so deeply and then you know like the full armor of God I got this right and then three weeks later that shame creeps in you fail and then you feel kind of forsaken right I believed something that's in the Bible and it didn't work for me you know and you start to feel shamed there. You start to feel forsaken. Like, maybe this isn't really... This is just religion. Maybe, you know, and you start to question your own faith. And maybe some of you have got there. Maybe some of you have been through that. I had. I opted out of church because I, you know... It's just religion. Um, I, I believe it. I believed it. But did it make an impact on my life? No, I was, I was still stuck in those moments. So, where did the church fail at teaching you where the Bible meets you in 2008? Okay, because I would say that. i say, well, that's a great book for, you know, 2,000 years ago. What is it, 2008? You know, Anno Domini? Okay, th that book is old. Uh, maybe the information isn't so up to date. You know, I used to tell myself that. Um, and, and here's the deal. Cultures and technology changes over the years, but the great thing about the Bible is that people's hearts don't really change a whole lot. You know, they, they don't. 
people in their hearts are pretty much the same. We're still chasing um, sex. We're chasing uh, the next promotion, um, how popular we are, what people think of us. You know, and the internet hasn't helped. I mean, the internet's created whole new identities for people where, you know, you can be a total uh, nobody at work and, and, and you can go home and be on a video game and be, uh, you know, somebody huge. Um, stuff like that. Uh, it, what are we chasing, really? It's those kinds of things. Um, well, let me give you a few examples in the Bible. Uh, David. David's one of my favorite characters in the Bible. Guy was a, a mess. Um, you know, sees a woman bathing on the on the rooftop next to him and naked, and he's all hot and bothered. I gotta have that woman, right? He gets her. He gets her pregnant um, to cover his sin. He bumps off her husband, has him killed. You know, I mean, stuff like that happens today. All right? Technology and culture may change, but people's hearts, you know, they're still chasing that kind of thing, right? Peter, you know, here's another guy. Made a big mess, screwing up a lot. Um, Peter in control. You know, he's got to have control of everything. Oh, don't worry, Jesus. I'm not going to let anybody hurt you. I'm going to I'm going to protect you. I'm going to you're not going to have to go. You're not going to die on a cross. No. Jesus is, you know, what does he say? Get behind me, Satan. Peter, you know, you're not arresting Jesus. He whips out a sword and, you know, cuts a guy's ear off. And Jesus is like, dude, you know, don't you know I could I could call down a legion of angels? Okay, put your sword away. You, know, you live by that thing, you're going to die by it. Laying down his life, Jesus did. Sticks the guy's ear back on. <laughs> um, so control, and, and there's a, a bunch of different stories I could go through. But hopefully, I, I'm, I'm shedding some light on this. Um, King Solomon. I mean, that guy. A bunch of different stories. King Solomon's life achieved wealth, achieved fame, partied hard, women, sex. Um, He's empty, you know. He says it's it's just empty. It's all meaning, vexation of spirit. King Solomon, I, I love what he said about. Uh, I heard uh, Pastor Matt Chandler talking about this. Um, you know, your, your sticks, your, your people are like a, a fool is like a pot on a fire with crackling sticks, and that's his laughter while his life is burning. You know. Uh, how many people fake it? How many people walk into church and smile and just pretend like everything's okay while they're going through a divorce at home, while the, while one of their kids is in serious trouble? They're just putting on a smile. Everything's fine. I mean, the, the part of the church that... Uh, um, George Barnett talking about uh, the Baptist and non-denominational parts of the church in the United States have a higher divorce rate than the rest of the world. Unbelievers, okay? Now, that's a true statistic. That's that's pretty sad. How many of those people just sit in church and pretend like everything's just fine? You know, they're attenders. We're, we're attending church. I, I'm a member here. Uh, they, they don't say a word. They'll smile and laugh. There's some comedians like that, man. There's some comedians that got some jacked up stuff going on in their soul. They're funny, though. Right? They're, they're pretty funny. So, 
this is these are this is how I want you to look at the Bible for for your own heart. That there's lots of different stories in there. There's lots of different stuff, and they all point to the person and work of Jesus Christ. They they all point to Christ and as our as our redeemer. He's our redeemer. He's there to rescue us from from that. He's your real savior, right? What we're chasing, what what we're after, is causes us pain. And I, and I wanted to, I want to get, I want if there's anything I want to do in the show, is get you to go there with me a little bit. All right, go to that shame moment. And for some of you, uh, I've read the stories, I've heard the stories, and there's some horrific stories out there. You know, you're busted in your your porn use, you're caught in an uh, adulterous affair, Um, having a kid walk in on you, one of your children walk in on you when you're looking at porn and masturbating, Um, being fired from your job for your web use. Okay. This isn't a little subject. This isn't just this little thing that you got on the side that you're just just kind of a character quirk. Okay, this stuff destroys people's lives. I've seen it firsthand. I want to, I want you to go to that 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 shame moment that you were busted and feel that with me and what it means and, and where your mind goes. How shameful that felt. And then I want you to back up into arousal. Um, when were you aroused? What, what did that... Uh, wh- when was the arousal point before that happened? Before you were busted, there was an arousal point where you got sexually aroused, right? Guys, your dick got hard. Ladies, your you got wet, right? There's something that triggered that before that. What was that? Where, where were you before the moment of uh, you're busted, right? I want you to go there with me for a moment. And I want you to look honestly <clears throat> about what you were feeding. Look honestly about what you were trying to numb, maybe. Because here's the deal. C.S. Lewis said this. Um, when the devil tempts you, or when the devil, the enemy, the accuser, Satan, right? When he, when he uses sexuality against you, he's playing a very, very dangerous game. Not really, you know, not so much against you, but for himself. Because he's using something that God made a very um, huge pleasure uh, moment you know that God, a pleasure thing that God made, a very close to heaven type of pleasure um, that God made to tempt you, and He's using it for evil. So in that moment, He's playing a very dangerous game with you, and I want you to understand that on a on a on a deeper level, because the church likes to run around and say we're losing the war, and look at the culture and porn and and all that stuff, and. But the truth is, it's time to get honest about our sexuality. As people, it it really is. It's time to get honest about it. 
Because it's not the sexual arousal that's the issue. I hope you understand that. I hope you see this here. You use that. You pulled that off the shelf for a reason. There's a deeper need. This is from the book um, The Wounded Heart by Dan Allender. And he said, uh, The refusal not to despise the passion, the arousal, the refusal not to despise that will allow us to see and address our own real sin underneath that. Right? Let me repeat that. The refusal not to despise our passion will allow us to see and address our own sin. Arousal is triggered, triggered by a deeper need. For, for, for what? That's what you need to ask yourself. You know, and that's been my criticism of 12-step groups and a lot of recovery groups and, and, you know, some of the churches. is The disease isn't the behavior on the surface. I've said that a lot. Um, the disease is in our heart. Why do we reach for that? What was it before that that got us to that, that, that part of arousal? What were we reaching for? What were we trying to numb? Poor me. Save me from my functional hell. What was it? Resentment? I'm going to get back at that person? I mean, really, honestly, deep down, what was it? Because, listen, pathology, which is a word for disease, right? Is the boat, like, floating on the surface. You know, that's the, our pathology. What, what, what path we take to get to, to that moment of shame, hurt, and pain. That's the boat floating on the surface, it, 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 you know, it, and it goes deep. Um, a grounded spiritual life is like throwing an anchor overboard. It really is. We're choosing to worship Jesus, and not religion, not some religious dogmatic kind of a list of rules type of a, you know, getting it in your heart. And, you know, Catholics, one of the things that I've, I've criticized the Catholic Church a lot, and I had a, a, a priest or somebody in the church who emailed me a while back and said, you know, Russ, it's not, it's not the rituals themselves, it's my heart behind them. Why do I do them? I really have to look at my, my heart. And, and honestly, why do I pray the rosary, for example? And I love that. Where are we at? Are we anchored? Because here's the bottom line. When you back up to that arousal point, when you back up before that, when you really get honest about where you're at. See, Jesus saves me from myself. You know, I put on the full armor of God to save me from the attacks of my own heart level fight to stay alone. Okay, do you get that? You see, the armor of God protects you from the darkness of your own will. That we are inside out beings, right? Not outside in. As self-righteousness and self-destruction are outside in type of uh, attitudes. So putting on the full armor of God is, is really... Uh, and asking why is, is really, the question really is, how do I shine the light, you know, that Jesus said to shine? 
how do I do that? You know, he says, don't don't put a you don't put a lamp in a bowl, or or put it in a drawer. You you put it out for people to see, shine light, you know, reflect the light that that Christ has put in your heart type of a thing, right? And how do we shine that light when darkness is crowding in on us day by day in you know, our own will? How do, how do we shine that light, right? And that's what the full armor of God is really about. Because I think that, you know, a lot of the the stuff that I was taught was that it's an outside-in <laughs> type of a thing, you know? Save me from the scary world. I'm going to put on all these garments to save me from the scary world so that stuff won't get into me from the outside. No. You put on the full armor of God to save that tender, sheep-like heart of yours from being eaten by the wolves. And that happens inside your own heart for what you reach for. Behind the wall, you know, of self. Getting to the end of ourselves, right? The stuff and the desires stuff that we have attached to our identity. I mean, day by day, we really are building who we are in our heart. We're building on something. We, we, our hearts are building something. What are we building? I mean, what are, what are you investing in? The surface you? The surface identity? Because that's the world, okay? It's just funny how uh, people criticize me for some of the music I play and stuff like that and movies I talk about and... That's not worldly, okay? Worldly is building the surface you. That realizing on a deeper heart level, on a naked, intimate level, somewhere down there where we don't have our walls, where we don't have our jackets and our clothes and our hats over us, we're looking for a savior. We're trying to pull something in to save us. You know? Are we honest about that? This is 1 John uh, 2.15. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For anything, everything in the world, the cravings of the sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he does, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away. But the man who does the will of God lives forever. You know, building the surface identity is, is just fleeting and short term. Gives us the accolades and stuff. And sure, we can have prestige and people think well of us on the surface. But knowing where you are in your heart, you know. Here's the deal. One of the biggest fears is the fear of change. I mean, that is the biggest fear for people. And the, and the facts are, and the truth is, and I've said this a lot, that you are changing. You are changing. And here's the truth of the matter. God doesn't want to change who you are, right, on, on that level that he built you. He wants you to realize who you were created to be. You know, because we're all unique. We're all different. We all have different gifts different ways that we worship. He wants you to see that that person you were created to be, that he made you to be. Because he loves you. 
And because worship really is putting him first, realizing that, that everything in the creation was made by him for your for your enjoyment. Right? I wanted to end here. Um, I'm going to play a song by a band called Fireflight. It's called The Hunger. And I want you to, uh, my action step for this week is, is that I want, I want you to pray. I want you to pray for, for wisdom. There's one thing that God has given me that I've really prayed for, really got on my knees and really asked and pleaded with him from my heart, asking him to, to show me where I'm at. And he's done that, you know. God isn't always going to give you money, right? I mean, we pray for the surface things on the surface so much. We pray for our surface adornments. Sometimes that could be the worst thing he could give us. Because the more surface identity we get, a lot of times we end up just pulling more away from him. Become more addicted to ourselves. Okay, the full armor of God is in a letter that Paul wrote to, to this this church, the Ephesians. That's what I'm going to talk about next week on, on uh, next week's show is who are the Ephesians and how do they relate to me in 2008 and my culture? Um, Paul writes this to the Ephesians, um, chapter 1, starting in 17. I keep asking that God... I keep asking that God... Of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glory, the inheritance of the saints. I want you to pray that this week. I want you to pray that out. I want you to ask daily for wisdom, for him to really show you what the motivations of your heart are, to open the eyes of your heart. That's what Paul's prayer for the Ephesians was. I pray that God opens the eyes of your heart because we have two sets of eyes. My name is Russ. My email is russ at asi247.org. The website is asi247.org. If you want to uh, check out the music, check out the bands I play, you can click on the music tab on the website and uh, download the music right off of iTunes from there. I don't get paid a dime for that. Just a way to uh, give back to the bands. Um, Donations, uh, if you could send a donation, I would certainly appreciate it. This is a listener-supported uh, show. Investing in uh, in that ripple effect. I pray that you, you stand with me on that. And uh, I thank God for all of you. I thank you for listening. I thank you for uh, investing this time with me. Until next week, remember, life really is 20% the stuff that happens to you and 80% how you choose to react to that 20%. I love you all. Till next time.
Bye.